So the big question is this, where do CAD professionals like us who don't have specific training available to them on how to become a CAD manager, yet are compelled to advance their careers by accepting this often misunderstood, underappreciated, and occasionally unsupported leadership role? Where can they find the CAD manager specific insights not taught anywhere else? And how can they accomplish this while also striving to remain highly productive and billable on projects? These are the questions and this podcast is your guide to the answer. My name is Eric DeLeon and welcome to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. In this episode, I'm continuing my next masterclass series by interviewing another fellow CAD professional. Now, I would like to introduce my next guest, John Mayo. John is from the New Jersey area. He is a engineering technology manager, adjunct professor at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, professional engineer, certified floodplain manager, certified municipal uh, engineer, and Autodesk Expert Elite. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Hey, so let's just kick this off, man. Share something about yourself that most people don't know. Uh, in just about any bit of spare time I can find, I'm playing music. Uh, what kind of music? Uh, the kind of music the band wants to play. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a lead singer? Are you an instrument? What do you do? I play guitar. I play bass. I sing. Uh, and we basically do popular music from any decade. Nice. So were you a part of the Autodesk University band back in the day when they were? I was not, um, but I am part of the New Leaf Energy Lagging Indicators. <laughs> awesome man awesome well yeah it's interesting that a lot of the um i guess it's not really interesting it's just you know we have that's what i love about people right we all have these you know um special skills and things that most people don't know unless you get to know them so uh that's pretty cool uh, what's your favorite band oh i couldn't even begin to there's just so much out there um and I really don't listen to one band, but I guess if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick <clears throat> Pink Floyd or Simon and Garfunkel, something along those two uh, lines okay, nice. with, with music on either side. Um, yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, before we get into these other questions, I'm really curious to, um, so you're the adjunct professor at the uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Yes. Seems like you've been doing that for a long time. So um, can you explain what got you into that? And then um, what what kind of uh, classes are you teaching? Uh, well, first off, I am alumni. Okay. Uh, GIT. <laughs> uh, and I have been an adjunct professor teaching senior design since 2009. And in that class, we take um, our students put them into groups of three and ask them to complete a residential, uh, single family residential subdivision, design, including uh, the property subdivision, roadway design, stormwater design, meeting our state code, uh, sanitary sewer design, water main layout, earthworks, and an engineering report to accompany it. Yeah, nice. So is that literally the, the, same, the same class for the most part? Uh, that you that no, you, that you mainly do, teach i do go out and find new properties each year try to find new environmental constraints or other yeah. uh, design constraints that might be interesting uh but uh no every year it's a new project and i spend yeah. some time prepping for it nice nice well that sounds like another another avenue of keeping you sharp with your skills right <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah, so let's get into these questions. So uh, where do you work? How long have you been there? And what do you do? Uh, I currently work for New Leaf Energy. Uh, another shout out. Uh, I've been there about a year and a half. And uh, I'm an engineering technology manager. What kind of um, softwares are you guys mainly using? 
Uh, it depends on where you are in the, in the company. Uh, pro we have project developers who are uh, kind of speculating on projects and they use a lot of GIS products. They use Anderson op optimization a lot and they use uh, a solar program called Helioscope to lay out solar arrays. Uh, when Once we get past, uh, you know, initial findings and we decide to maybe move forward, we start working with, of course, Auto, AutoCAD Map and a program called PVCase to, again, refine those. We use other applications, not necessarily our CAD technology or BIM technology, uh, but maybe electrical system analysis. Uh, and once our development engineers do their job, we hand it off to the civil engineers who then get into civil 3D, uh, start doing grading stormwater, uh, and then we pop it all together in civil 3D. Yeah, nice. How long have you been in, in CAD technology management? In technology management, I've been the lead, the technology lead every place I've been um, from my first job in 1998 uh, and I took them from a Unix-based program, CAD program called HASP, H-A-S-P, uh, into LAN desktop. LAN desktop, LDD. <laughs> LDD. Uh, I spent uh, from 98, I guess, to about 2007 is when I started rolling out for production Civil 3D. That sounds about right. What is your CAD origin story? Um, I guess I've always loved geometry. Uh, I could like sleep through a geometry class and get a, a hundred on the exam. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a couple of really good conceptual geometry classes in college. Uh, hand drafting and geometric tricks. And then when I was introduced to AutoCAD in college, I was like, um, <laughs> I just became there. And I moved on from AutoCAD to uh, SoftDesk. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, by the time I graduated, uh, and I graduated as an adult late in life, but um, as I graduated uh land desktop is probably introduced so then your <clears throat> introduction to cad really was during the college during the college courses yeah yeah so it's a byproduct of just going through the coursework uh the coursework we had a really in our civil engineering department we had a gentleman running the cad lab who was a student at the time um and he knew his cad stuff uh, I, for some reason, I just took him for every bit of information he could get. <laughs> I could yeah. get out. Um, always knocking on his door, bothering him probably way too much. Uh, Don, thank you. <laughs> uh, but uh, he was really good to me. He taught me a lot, and that got me getting going into uh, soft desk. Um, and really starting to work with alignments, profiles, cross-sections, uh, 3D polylines, you know, at the time, uh, and start doing all my work that way. So, how <clears throat> I should have, I before I went, uh, let me retract here a little bit, because I forgot to ask this question, so, because this is one of my favorite questions. Okay. A, one of the second follow-up questions to the CAD origin story, and you, you, were, you were a part of the transition from doing some manual drafting to to CAD, right? Yes. So what part what part of manual drafting do you think is a good foundation principles as we as we evolved into computer aided drafting and design? I think your geometry tricks. Are, elaborate on that yeah are the greatest things stuff like um if you have um a line two lines you can find perpendicular bisectors with a compass um 
tricks like, uh, you know, and, and I use these in CAD more now, but like I'll use circles to identify uh -huh. problem areas in 3D. Um, I'll draw temporary polylines to hold constant elevation uh, through a copy and paste maybe. Uh, little tricks like that, understanding the X, Y, and Z of it cannot be uh, left as an unimportant task. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, that I find, I call it the lost art of drafting, right? Because there's just so many things that we, that I started, right? The program that I went through, they actually got rid of the board um, the year that, that year that I started. And mm -hmm. so <clears throat> the boards are still around and people are still doing them. But all of our coursework was completely, you know, computer was digital. Yeah. 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 Digitally and stuff like that. I mean, so, but I like to, even though I didn't do it, I like to play homage and respect to kind of that manual drafting because it's more about the approach, just like you said, right? I mean, <clears throat> you know, using guidelines, even though, yeah, you could use commands and other things, there's just some fundamental things that guidelines and circles to help you find intersections. Um, for me, is like drawing drawing composition right that's big for me like you know um how can i present this because back in the day right you really had one shot to really draw what you wanted to draw and really just really think about and plan ahead what you're going to detail you know based off of a plan and elevation and i have what i call the 3d eyes because if you didn't have that it's it's just it's it could be tough it's it could be tough right yeah, yeah. So i just um yeah, I agree that that skill of um, being able to see what you're what you want to design yeah. uh, and understanding, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a curb or a building uh, or a pipeline, uh, you have to understand a lot more about it than just drawing a circle and extending it out, you know, 500 feet for your pipeline. Yeah. Um, but getting back to what you were saying, yeah. You were right. At a time when you were hand drafting, you wanted to get it right the first time because you didn't want to keep redrafting. And yeah. it's a lot easier digitally with CAD or GIS to iterate very quickly. Different, for sure. you know, for sure. <laughs> find the right fillet, right? Yeah. The right yeah. curve radius yeah. using your fillet command, stuff like that. <laughs> you can iterate back and forth, you know? Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, but Yeah, very nice. But there is that skill that you lose. And I appreciate that skill. I worked, one of my first engineers I worked for, uh, Herb Schlesinger, phenomenal, phenomenal engineer, no-nonsense guy. I watched him sit down with like a, I'm going to guess this is probably a hundred acre site on a cliff. And they had probably one or two acre zoning. And I watched him sit down and in, in, in probably about little more than four hours he hand drafted every building driveway retaining wall roadway contours elevations like like it would have taken me a week yeah. to do that work and he just sat down you know did the road did the lots out after that limited of grading for you know disturbance and slope count yeah and um the problem with that today is that you then have to pay someone to digitize that work. Yeah. Right. And we don't really have uh, CAD techs anymore. A lot of the CAD techs are EITs, surveyors, stuff like that. And their cost is more. So uh, it's kind of like paying two people to do the same job. Yeah. Uh, in today's world, what I try to do is encourage the engineers who want to redline every contour to stop. <laughs> yeah, and just put in your critical elevations and your design slopes. If you have a CAD drafter, you let that person draft in those objects. Remember, you we build buildings, we build curbs, we build retaining walls. No surveyor is going out and staking out a contour, unless yeah. maybe you're building a pond or a golf course. Yeah, right. Um, so I always prefer to. Um, 
if I'm not working with corridors on roadways, transportation, utility projects, and doing site grading, residential grading, I usually take that 2D to 3D approach because you already have all that 2D line work drawn usually for your zoning, all yeah. complete. Uh, and if the design engineers can just mark off, you know, first floor elevations, driveway slopes, critical elevations, they can let their drafters go in and let the computer interpolate the contours. Yeah. And granted, they won't be as pretty as the guy hand drafting them. Of course. But they're going to come a lot faster. Yeah. The computer can interpolate so much more faster than any of us can, even uh, faster than Herb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's things like that that can really save time in those processes. These are the things as a CAD manager I look to identify um, and look to uh, help resolve. But to your point, that art is lost um, and the new art needs a bit of refinement. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to keep alive, to be honest, right? This is why I do this podcast. I started the CAD manager school. I just want, I'm trying to get all of these, all of us together in a place that's <clears throat> not on Facebook. It's free of distractions, but mm -hmm. really just start rethinking about this because it's like you said, so easy to iterate, right? We can iterate, delete, iterate, delete. We can do that all day, right? So quick, but we're actually conditioning ourselves not to think sometimes, right? To think, because I'm all about, the 3D eyes, which it gives you the ability to think ahead two or three steps. So if I do this, what what is the what is the reactions to whatever it is? It's kind of like that domino effect, right? If I do this, what's going to happen next? And and if you cannot just draw it just to draw it because oh I was told to draw it without really thinking about it, then you know there's rework and things like that. Anyway, that's just those are the some of those principles, man. I've just and I know again I'm all about Trust me, I think you're the same way. We're all about the future, you know, leveraging technology and things. But I just think there's just some sound drafting design principles that we just, it's up to folks like you and I to continue <laughs> to educate the ones that we're managing, you know, whether or not it's AU class or an article in Augural Magazine or on a podcast episode or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we gotta yeah. hopefully keep this alive you somehow. You hit on two things. Um, number one, I think you hit on, and I share it with you, the fear of automation. Because with the automation, you might be losing some of those critical skills. Yeah. And engineering, architecture, surveying, you need a lot of those critical skills. And automation, can is an easy way out if you're not yeah. um, thinking and checking. Uh, another thing is AU, and um, I I don't think they attract new users. Mm -hmm. I think they attract seasoned veterans, and I think it would benefit them a lot to attract new young users through corporates, uh, corporate events, corporate sponsorship, whatever um it may be yeah i agree because you know i'm a as you know i'm a part of the board of directors with augie and mm -hmm. that's that's one of our missions we're really trying to you know like i so i also host the augie world the podcast um uh, for augie and when i look at the demographics it's all folks our age <laughs> you know you'll get <laughs> the meat of it is you know for, uh, 40 to 55 and, you know, right behind it's 35 to 45 and not a whole lot when you start dipping under 35. It's interesting, but yeah. it kind of makes sense because that's kind of the the nature where we're at. So like, I'm on a mission, man. I, I'm hoping to, you know, get some legs underneath it and, and inspire the new the next generation where I can. And uh, because I want to bring CAD techs back, I want to bring CAD teams so that way engineers can focus on engineering and the CAD, the CAD team can focus on the drafting, the presentation, the production, the things that they go to school for and really learn and appreciate and like to do versus I call it the primary secondary focus, right? As an engineer, right? And I, I'm not sure if you said these words, but a lot of engineers will say it when it comes to their plans, it's good enough, 
long as the engineering stuff's in there, my designs reflected. Uh, okay, some dimensions cross. Uh, the some of the details yeah. don't quite look as nice. Um, if, not as nice. Um, if I pass it off to a CAD technician, but those are the things I'm. When, you know. Yeah, when you're doing construction plans, those. <laughs> are reasons for the lawyers to fly around on their brooms, you know, around <laughs> your instructions. Yeah. Uh, it's just an opening, overwrites, stuff like that, the presentation. That's important because, again, you want to prevent mistakes. Yeah. Mistakes are going to mean angry phone calls from contractors, angry phone calls from clients. Um, and if things can't get resolved, you're going to get phone calls from attorneys. Correct, correct. Because uh, someone's going to have to pay for the mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, the other thing I hear from some like more senior engineers is, you know, I'm not a CAD guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that one, that I, I, I have, you know, the image of walking into the mechanic shop and hearing the mechanic say, you know, I'm not a wrench guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or having the, the, the carpenter, the contractor come to your home and he's saying, you know, I'm not really a hammer and saw kind of guy. Yeah, and I'm wondering, uh, I, you know, I don't think the senior engineers need to know every button to push, okay. but I think it's in every senior engineer, even owners, um, benefit to understand the capabilities. Of the programs yeah what are the programs capable of i had i was consulting with one firm who was so opposed to creating cross sections because to them you know it took an, a day to get cross sections and and i'm thinking a day are you hand drafting them i mean it takes me yeah. a day to get hand drafted cross sections yeah. yeah but not using civil 3d and grading methodologies yeah uh, i can literally cut cross sections in 15 minutes with a good template yeah uh, and even have them ready for printing in you know an hour yeah uh, uh, so concepts like that uh one other thing is our old technology costing of constantly holding us back as we train yeah. our new yeah. users uh, you know, we, we're set in our old ways and the classic AutoCAD white background, black background is a classic example <laughs> of all of us boomers um, pushing off our old habits on new users and making everyone believe uh, there's no way working with that black background is better when you're doing sheets. You should, when you're doing sheets, you should be looking at everything as it prints with the white paper like you're working in Revit. <laughs> <laughs> um right uh and you oh boy i mean i'm <laughs> digital but i still do know a, a couple of firms that are that are going through 300 feet of paper every day or two yeah it's wild Project yeah. Prints. yeah um huge um huge costs associated with that yeah uh or you know users going you know clicking 15 buttons to get to a plot preview when it <laughs> Uh, and then exiting out, making a change, going back to the plot preview, exiting yeah. it out, making a change, going back to the plot preview when um, the preview can be had all the Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, again, interesting, right? Just how the, uh, um, like I say, we all, CAD managers, we walk, in this, we walk in the same shoes, but the journey is, in some cases, very similar. In some cases, it's just obviously yeah. very different, but what's crazy is that some of these things we're still battling with? It's 2023. Yes. It's like, yes. Yo, it's like, yo, like, why, biggest, why, are, why are we doing this still? This is 1985. One of, the, <laughs> one of the biggest factors holding people back from going to a white background is their CAD managers refuse to change colors one through eight. <laughs> the yeah. original colors of CAD. And they're all set to work with contrast that works on a black background, right? That yeah. yellow text. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah, that yellow text is horrible with the white background. Yeah. But if you use magenta, it shows up miraculously beautiful on both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and in the old days, you couldn't operate CAD with a black, with a white background. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, right. with CRT yeah. monitors, early days, you'd be going through a monitor every month, you know, shooting all those electrons onto that phosphorus screen. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, your monitor would be dead shooting, a, you know, having a white image all day long. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't possible, but uh, it is so much easier today. And there's still so many uh, engineers. I even resort back to it. I'm not perfect. You know, we have, we're, we're set in our ways, the ways we learn. Um, yeah. At least if we start thinking about it, um, and I look at it like this too, when we have our pens and they translate and we have to translate, you know, that red to a certain thickness and boldness, that yep. white to a certain thickness, you're making every new user you hire learn a language. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, this is how it translates. Yeah. White gets translated to this, blue gets translated to that. And if you work with that white background, that need for that language kind of goes away a bit yeah so a, a number of reasons just one of my little uh yeah, interesting got some insights into john mayo yep <laughs> uh what are some challenges that that you run into as a cad manager and what actions are you taking to overcome those challenges our biggest challenges are users who just think CAD Civil 3D is too much. And the other is keeping my staff and vendors in the same coordinate system <laughs> and units. <laughs> That's wild, right. And so, so what are you doing to help mitigate those challenges from overtaking, <laughs> overtaking everything? Uh, well, we have actually just last week uh, renewed, released a new template set. Okay. Uh, for Civil 3D and AutoCAD map, uh, we use them concurrently. And uh, we release that for our staff and vendors, uh, consistent units, depending on the state we're working at. In, uh, you know, we've got to have either, regardless of what state, we have to have consistent coordinate systems. Uh, but we formally had a template system that was working with both uh, architectural units and decimal mm -hmm. units. And as you know, that it's very possible, but it takes a lot of coordination. Yep. Uh, leads to a lot of issues, um, especially for new users who may not be familiar with geo-reference data. Yep. Uh, and for us, it's just easier to keep everything consistently at this point. Yeah. So you're not mixing. You're not mixing the units now. No. Oh, yeah, fair enough. That's interesting. Yeah, because I know we had one guy. So by the most of my most of my experience as being a structural engineering technician, so doing bridge drafting and plans. So I work in feet and inches, right? Yeah. And, and, so, I, and I get it. Architects, mechanicals, yep. uh, structural, you do, yep. but you work in a box basically. Yeah, potentially. Mostly, yeah. Most often. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And so and then the civil, right, works in decimal units. And one guy, and again, people out here so to me you know so one decimal unit does not equal one foot you know when you're looking at number of you know the, the, the factors right and US so survey feet versus international feet scaling yes well just in general right because a a foot is going to be 12 times the one unit in decimal right yes. and so but like you said right that's where the the issue my civil guys with bringing in the architectural stuff, it'd be 12 times as big. They're like, your stuff is wrong. I said, no, no, you just got to look at the it's, it's incoming units, making sure it's set. But in his mind, he just could not, he could not get, I yeah. go, dude, he, did, one he, unit, that he has to scale that drawing down. Yeah, yeah. But it's more, it's one-to-one. -one, it's just the scale factor coming in, right? When you XREF and then your units, your insertion units. But for him, it was just, because again, you keep one to one. We don't because they were scaling things up. He was actually scaling, you know, um, architectural scale content, you know, down to fit his stuff. Yeah. And he he had the whole zero zero. He had a whole circle and he had his workflow. And I told him, dude, that's not how. It's just it's just one of those fundamental things that, again, if you're not if you don't ever mix units and handle that, 
Um, it's interesting how it could blow somebody's mind. <laughs> I would often, um, whether working with maybe either an architect or a mechanical, um, if I had to geo-reference their work, because again, the architects, mechanical, structurals, you know you're working in your building, yeah. basically at the origin. Right? And maybe copying for different floors, but yeah. you know, are you ever getting to a thousand units in square? Probably not. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's in the geo reference sites that we need to work. So there are times when I would save a translation file that would contain nothing more than two lines at the architects or mechanicals work, a long line connecting two other lines mm -hmm. at the geo reference site. The yeah. two lines representing the rotation uh, and the gotcha. long line between them representing the displacement. Yeah. And that way you could X-ref their work in, move it, rotate it yeah. along those lines, and you're set. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Pain in the neck, yeah. Yeah, see, for me, I would rather, before I start doing the building or bridge layout, I would get the civil file so I can get <clears throat> the placement. Where is it going to go? So that way I can, you know, just rotate my view so then I can just start drawing, um, of course, just to make it easy on yourself so you're not skewed on the screen. But, yeah. uh, you know, but I would rather have that first. So that way when I export, so that way we're geolocated. So if I need to export or they need to XREF my, my bridge layout, then it's going to come exactly where it's at. Because if not, you have yes. to do things like that. And sometimes if people don't have the decoder ring, like, Okay, what is what's John trying to do with this long line and these two lines to rotate? And then all of a sudden, people are, you know, they'll be they'll, they'll reference the your building in or whatever, and be like, "There's a survey bust," or "You're wrong," and you know how that is. Everybody starts fighting, blaming each other. When uh, it's really just some cases, it's a workflow issue. <laughs> yeah, and it, it comes down to the user not recognizing what yeah. they're working with. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I had one person, <clears throat> just real quick, I don't want to beat this dead horse, but um, yeah, weren't wasn't aware, was just drawing the bridge in space. <laughs> it, it wasn't even geolocated, and they were moving things just to, they kind of knew base points. So they were just moving the civil stuff to their, their <laughs> they just opened up the drawing, just started laying out the bridge. It had no reference points to it, anything. And we didn't find this out till later. It was just one of those, like you said, right, just, awareness of yeah. they're drawing space and time to their structure yeah <laughs> and it's not really taking into account the location on yeah. the ground that it's going to yeah, yeah. it was crazy it, 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 it took us like a day we had to unravel everything re-put put it back together so that way it wasn't it was a wreck but again that's just workflows communication just basic things but a lot of it's on the end user, you know, the operator, uh, whether or not it's an engineer or techni a technician or EIT, just you have to be, be aware of your surroundings <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Open up those vendor files, uh, <laughs> recognize what they contain, their units, their unit scaling, yeah. coordinate systems, and know what you're getting when you either copy, paste, or XREF. Yeah, for sure. What is one thing you wish you knew earlier on in your career? that you know now? Uh, I guess early in my career, I, I always thought the software would be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just from Autodesk, it's from everybody. Uh, and I wish I knew that the need for workarounds are consistent and are, you should always be open to new ideas, looking at it through yeah. someone else's perspective. Uh, never be the final word. Never try to be the final word. Always constantly review all your workflows um, because this, if you're consistently getting a software, and I, I don't care if it's Word, Bluebeam, ArcGIS online, if you're constantly getting that thing, you've got to find a way to get it to work for you. Um, and it's never going to change. So uh, even with all the new features coming out, there's something that won't work for someone. 
Uh, it'll never be perfect. And the faster you come to grips with that, the happier you'll be. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, because I know a lot of people still, I mean, we we just rolled out a new template with Civil 3D 2024, and there's just like clunkiness to sheet set manager and other things. And they're just like, why don't they ever, why are you getting uptight about Autodesk? It is what it is. We have to just deal with it and come up with the best workarounds or the best workflows yeah. to get what we need done. Right. But it's just amazing how people just get caught up in the things that none of us can control. <clears throat> I mean, you can put your, you can put your ideas into the wish list. You can be a part of all these other things, but yeah, ulti yeah. ultimately, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. And, unless there's a whole industry saying for the same thing, it's probably not going to get changed in That's the next it. version. And you know what? <laughs> Microsoft probably doesn't care if you take their your entire PowerPoint presentation and you paste it into Google Docs and it doesn't go in, paste it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah. you still have those same yeah. uh, daily issues to deal with. And, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like you said, good advice. Once we can get over... The, those things that we can't control it's life um yeah. you know it's going to be a lot easier to do our jobs most definitely um what will you consider to be your cad manager superpower oh uh right now coordinate system correction and unit and scale <laughs> no, so uh, that, have, if that's a superpower man you must be doing that a lot <laughs> we have a lot of vendors who work for us and um in our old CAD template system, I told you we were using feet and inches. Now we're trying to consistently stay at feet. Uh, yeah. And there is a lot of issues because we have a number of projects that may sit on hold for a year or two. Right. Uh, like a lot of firms, right? Yep. Uh, not uncommon. And they come back to life. And by the time they come back to life, your whole CAD standard system has changed. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to so, people like you and I. <laughs> yeah. But what do you do with those ones? So my rule of thumb, usually, unless, like you said, maybe if it's a year or two out, um, I try to keep it in the same version and maybe the same stand essence of the standards, unless it's completely different. So what do you do in those cases? Again, because we don't want to be detrimental to any project by telling them you're going to use the new thing when it was it was really developed in that old system. So I'm just yeah. curious, how, how do you handle those kind of scenarios? We have basically two scenarios. One where units of one base map need to change to feet, right? And that will push a change to all your sheets because the XREF yep. has now changed units. Yep, correct. Right, so you have to go in and correct that. Uh, and the other issue we have, and this is the one we really don't want to really dig into a lot is changing the actual uh, CAD drafting standards, layers, line types, yeah, correct. Uh, yeah. font styles. Um, our font styles, textiles, dimension styles have all been renamed and, can, and we have provided annotative styles, which we haven't provided previously. Okay. Uh, but what we have in our working standard is Number one, if you're about to cross the goal line with that project, nothing changes. Correct. Yep. <laughs> nothing changes. Yep. Um, if you're at the beginning of a process block and units need to change, you're fine with doing that, but understand that you are responsible for opening up all the sheet files and mm. correcting that reference you changed. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one with the styles and stuff, I just have a, a toolbar that will insert all the new styles into any file so they can open up an old file, mm -hmm. insert all the new styles, new layers, use them, and not have to change the layers. Yeah. So it kind of provides them with the ability to use annotative features yeah. uh, without forcing them to change everything because changing a bunch of layers at that point in a project wasted time. Oh, correct. <clears throat> Absolutely yeah. waste of time, especially uh, if it's just layer prefixes, which in our case, it really is layer prefixes that have changed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those, those are always, yeah, I we have a similar approach. And so it's just 
well, it's always tricky because people freak out. Like we rolled out a new version and our goal is to maintain the current version and one back. <clears throat> and then the other ones, they're, they're going to, it's going to, we're going to have a down a time where we're going to basically um, pull them offline. But um, in this case, 2024 is our current version. 2022 is the version back. And then people are freaking out. What about 2020? I have a project in it. I'm like, we're not pulling 2020 memory machines today but we do need to talk about like what's the milestone when's it going to be done what are when are milestones can we um can we move it to to a new version keep it in the same template just a newer version or you know there's lots of things we we obviously talk about because we don't like you said you know we don't want to i don't want to you know blow some project up because oh we have to do this well there's there's exceptions to the rule right yeah yes i uh Generally speaking, I don't let the software version hold anyone back, and I just upgrade everyone automatically. And I don't, yeah, I don't. It doesn't really have any effect on our projects uh, if everyone's moving forward, yeah. especially since you know 2018 Civil 3D is basically. But um, uh, we don't uh, have people using you know keeping their software and their project versions consistent. Yeah. We're always pushing the new version just to try to get as much as we can out of performance. We do and are trying to do more utility scale work. Uh, and that's going to mean, you know, a thousand, two thousand acre sites. Okay. Uh, and they're going to want LIDAR scans of that. And, you know, yeah. it's going to yeah. crush Correct. performance <laughs> on all the files. Yeah. Ever. So you guys, so, ways yeah, to so simplify speak yeah, so speaking of LiDAR, because I was the director of LiDAR at one of my previous companies. And so how do you um on those big on those big sites like that, um, do you guys do you guys tile the data so that way you can draw XREF? Or, this is how I used to do it. So I'm curious what other people do. So when we had big sites, uh, we would tile or we would I would split it out into I'd find good ways to split the data up so that way I can I'm only XREFing in the points that I need to see at that time. I drop off the other ones, just need what I need. So I kind of leapfrog my way until I get to what I need to get. So that way I'm never, come on, right? I mean, you know, billions of points and you're, if people are like, my computer doesn't work. I go, man, you have the whole LiDAR, the whole LiDAR from uh, Mother Earth loaded on, on your civil 3D right now. Of course it's not gonna work. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm just curious. There's a lot here. This is a big topic. Depending on whether you're dealing with public LIDAR data or yeah, yeah. site-specific data, right? Yeah, site-specific yeah. data, you hope your surveyor is culling that information and building a nice civil 3D surface. Uh, hopefully he's you know, bringing that cloud into Cyclone or Trivial Business Center, something yeah. similar, digitizing brake lines, um, sending out meshes for pavement areas and fields uh, and stuff like that. And you hope that those surfaces are very well managed and not yeah. a performance issue. Yeah, sure. Now, in the case of public data, boy, wow. Uh, this goes off on a whole bunch of different tangents. You know, are you getting an LAS file? You're getting a GeoTIFF? Are you getting a DEM? Yeah, maybe that's maybe that that discusses for a different uh, podcast episode. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy, right? All the different stuff you can use, and there's a lot of different methods. But generally speaking, we try to make sure the surfaces that we publish to the design teams have less than a million points, and we do our best to simplify lidar data if needed. Yeah, and even if it's a DEM and you can't simplify it will extract points, build a surface from those points, and then simplify that. Yeah, for sure. And we also use um, project scope or um, uh, phases Yep. to create crop surfaces or uh, different base maps for large areas as well. As long yeah. as we can, like you said, get through a good phase of a project without having to constantly correct get data in and out yeah for sure yeah <clears throat> and also trimming i'm always big on trimming um the data to the right away 
I, you don't really need it. I'll have a different surface if I need to see more beyond it, just as a attach, detach. Um, but really, that's all you really need for the most part, at least to get your design going. So right on. So um, what are one or two CAD commandments that you live by without fail? Read the command line. <laughs> uh, and number two, inventory and investigate your drawings when you're taking over a project. Yeah, those are good ones. Yeah, for uh, sure. Number one, the command line is always telling you what's going on, uh, what your options are, what you need to do. Uh, and opening up files, especially if you haven't worked in them before, you know, your quick select is a great way to just run it. And you can see everything listed in your drawing. <laughs> um, take inventory type, you know, go into your civil 3D properties, our drawing setup, note the units, note the unit scaling, uh, note your coordinate systems. Uh, these are the things that lead to construction error, right? State plane, the difference in US survey feet to international feet scaling, you know, can range anywhere from like a half a foot to seven feet in some states. Yeah. Um, we do work currently in uh, Massachusetts, Maine, Maryland, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Illinois, Texas, California. Um, so we're all over. And again, Virginia, I've seen some of those, you know, those coordinate systems up at like 1.3 million uh, for a coordinate. And, you know, if someone had the scaling wrong, uh, the thing's off like seven feet. Yeah. You know, like going to New Jersey, maybe you're off by a half a foot, two and a half feet. Uh, but either way, those are things that you don't want um, projected through construction. Yeah, for sure. Not good. What trait do you think someone needs to have to be a great CAD manager? All right. Um, I'll start with a CAD operator. And the first thing I want to do, and I did this once in an interview, I asked, um, I gave a piece of paper and a pencil to someone. I said, just draw me a 3D house as part of their CAD interview on paper. Okay. Just wanted to see if they, like I said before, yeah. if, if they're able to visualize what they're doing. And I didn't expect anything elaborate. Yeah. I, I, quite honestly, I, you could have gotten away with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lines. So basically right? showing a corner view of a house. Yeah. With a right? little, little bit of a roof. View, right? yeah. Um, And that was one thing I did. But for CAD management, oh, wow, there's a, a lot. You, A, you're going to need people skills. You can't expect everyone to be up to speed where you are, um, especially your new users that are going to come to you for help, training, assistance. Uh, so people skills are critical. Uh, again, the technical skills, the ability to... Uh, debug issues is a critical uh and i'm going to go with the ability to see the company's product versus the department's product right um okay. yep. I, I was consulting with one firm and you know their survey department is using a different title block from the environmental department and they have a slightly different title block than the transportation department. And, you know, the, the engineers are coming screaming uh, when they're printing out their plan sets and they got three different title blocks yep. for the same project. So uh, the ability again, to be able to work with all those departments to find the best solution for the company and recognizing that it may be better for one department to take an extra 15 minutes if it saves three other departments 15 minutes or more. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if those departments are asking another department to take an hour of extra work to save them 15 minutes of work, that doesn't help the company. Yeah. So uh, the ability to see the whole firm 
and understand the entire process to create the products that they are, whether maps, models, presentations, engineering reports. Um, uh, that's a, a big part of the CAD management uh, skill as well, skill set. Yeah, I think some of those little fundamental things, and that's where, to be honest, I'm, I, mean, I guess I'm biased, but this is where I truly believe that why CAD managers, a CAD coordinator, CAD lead, I mean, we have different <clears throat> design technology, engineering, why every firm needs to have one, in some cases more, because who else is going to look at things in that perspective? Right? You're absolutely right. And I spent a number of years with uh, 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 a few firms that got a lot of those skills basically for free because you know, as an engineer, I had to be, you know, 80 to 90 percent billable. Yep. Uh, and then trying to get and be the, the tech lead. Yeah. You know, don't expect first. Don't expect a lot of development. You know, Correct. Uh, yeah. we'll put out some fires and, and keep the, the staff moving best we yeah. can. But if you're not going to invest in the development, you're not going to see results. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. What current technology or trend are you the most excited about? Oh, wow. Um, I guess AI, generative design. Um, you, you know, I, I have that in one sense. I'm, I'm like amazed and, and bewildered and, and smiling at it. And in the other sense, um, you know, like a, a child on, on Halloween. Uh, <laughs> my, 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 my nerves. Yeah. Um, and my big fear is, is that with automation, we lose, my big fear is that we lose engineering judgment, design judgment, architectural judgment, uh, surveyor's judgment. Yeah. Right. Um, surveyor's judgment is the perfect thing, right? Every contour is a lie. You can go out a flat surface flip a triangle on a tin and a contour can move 10 or 20 feet. Yeah. Right. You're, you're banking on the surveyor was out in the field and he could recognize how the surface was shaped. So he knows where that triangle should be flipped. To. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So that's my big fear, but I think AI general design, I've worked with side ops, uh, you know, I'm working with, the grading optimizer. Uh, what's that new program they introduced? I looked at that a bit. Um, the new program that Autodesk just introduced, the cloud platform. Oh, just they changed the uh, name. Forma, uh, Forma. 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 Yeah, Forma. Uh, I've looked at that uh, quite a bit, um, and like Forma, boy, if I could just take that information and just get it into Civil 3D, I could make money off of that program right now <laughs> um, but uh that's probably one of the biggest problems is getting that information to the different platforms and that's another big thing as a cad manager is knowing how to move data between applications yeah um, correct uh, whether uh heck res civil 3d civil 3d hydro cad civil 3d storm and sanitary analysis uh, S3 Arc GIS Online to AutoCAD Civil 3D, um, yeah. Google Earth to these programs. Yeah. Anything, yeah, sure. uh, just moving that data back and forth um, is another big skill to have. Yeah, agreed. And which makes our, which makes our jobs tough. But also very exciting because it's it's really not boring because something's something to be had every day, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I get a little bored spending a half an hour looking for metadata for GIS. True. <laughs> True. That's, that's just like completely hidden, and you're trying to <laughs> every every version of the metadata you go to, you find the word coordinate, and it's blank afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on the future of CAD? Um, 
Wow. Uh, depends on your industry. Um, but I, I think Revit and Venter kind of illustrate where things could go from AutoCAD and from Civil 3D, right? Wouldn't you love to open up Civil 3D and just grab a curb and just start drafting it? Yep. Um, you know, or retaining wall, a building, uh, yeah. just start forming it and maintaining uh, parametric constraints, uh, you know, building dimensions all linked to that building. Uh, just maintain, you know, I want 2% from this building, you know, 30 feet away from the building. And yeah. then I kind of, you know, 2% to the Northeast, uh, you know, just being able to maintain those relationships back and forth on those objects would be great instead of having to draw, you know, the architects, if you're using Revit, you don't have to draw two lines for your walls anymore. Yeah. Right. And that's a big part of it. Um, uh, one of the big things I remember about moving from land desktop to civil 3D was the automation, right? If you were grading in land desktop using 3D polylines, which a lot of people did for uh, sites and not necessarily transportation, right? Uh, a simple detention basin or a, a commercial site or a retail site, the constant need to go in and edit a feature or a 3D poly, rebuild your surface, redraw the contours, redraft the 3D poly, redraw the contours, rebuild the surface. Just being able to automate that process has made things so much quicker. And now if we just get BIM objects, yes, uh, boy, would it be um, a lot different, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it's gonna be, I mean, like for instance, I know there, which I don't understand why InfraWorks doesn't get enough traction because it does a lot of stuff like that for you, right? In the game engine environment. And then especially now with it um, <clears throat> being able to go into twin motion and such, but it's just interesting, you know, because I'm a part of, you know, infrastructure. And so to see InfraWorks, it just not get its time, you know? Uh, do you guys use do you guys use InfraWorks by any chance? I'm just curious. I use InfraWorks, but not for preliminary design. Yeah. Uh, I use it to convert LiDAR and surface data. Mm. I use it as a GIS hub. I have used it for as a municipal engineer, I used it for shadow studies. Oh and yeah. I used it for uh view state viewscape studies yeah um you know i remember i had one case uh town hired us to look into another town who we were going to put up and approve two high rises that would obstruct residents view to new york city um and we built a model in infoworks i gathered the new york gis database <laughs> and i had yeah. every building in manhattan up on in InfraWorks, you know, yeah, and that's awesome. Yeah. 20 minutes, uh, went out, got the New Jersey stuff, um, built models for the two proposed conditions. Yep. And then we animated, uh, you know, what those people would see from their homes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, technology is amazing, man. Yeah. Um, so where can the CAD Manager Confessions audience follow you in your journey? Uh, I don't have a big social media presence, but I am on LinkedIn. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and I do keep a, a professional presence there. <laughs> uh, and Come on. I know you're, really a my, you're a MySpace guy. I know you are. <laughs> no. I, I really, I, I am such a music buff, and I still haven't even opened up a Spotify account. Yeah, yeah, dude, you got to do that so you can share your music with us. <laughs> uh, well, it's not my music. I do yeah. covers. Um, yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, cool. Well, before we say goodbye, any parting advice or thoughts to the CAD management community? Uh, just keep an open mind to everything. Change is always around the corner, and so is your next problem. <laughs> Well said. Be calm and cool. <laughs> <laughs> well said, man. 
So thank you, John, for being a part of the podcast. And for those of you listening to this episode, thank you for pressing play. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe, leave a review, or share your thoughts by leaving a comment or sharing a screenshot of the episode and tagging me on social media. Until next time, continue to challenge the status quo, be the leader you wish you had, don't be afraid to step into your greatness, and good luck in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Thank you for pressing play.